Acts chapter 1, verse 1. It says, In the first book, O Theophilus, I have dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day when he was taken up, after he had given commands through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen. He presented himself alive to them after his suffering by many proofs appearing to them during 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. And while staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you heard from me, for John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, it is not for you to know times or seasons that the father has fixed by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. And when he had said these things, as they were looking on, he was lifted up, and a cloud took him out of their sight. And while they were gazing into heaven as he went, behold, two men stood by them in white robes and said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? This Jesus, who was taken up from you into heaven, will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. Let's pray. Father, we thank you, Lord, for your word. We thank you for this time, Lord, this gathering. We thank you, Lord, for these people, uh, your people, Lord, who gather here now in expectation, Lord, to um, encounter you. We pray to encounter you, Lord, in fresh and uh, powerful ways. Uh, Have your way here in this sanctuary. Have your way in our hearts, our minds, Lord. Thank you. I ask for fresh anointing to preach and anointing to receive your word. Father, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight. Lord, you're my strength and my redeemer. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Uh, I was standing in Barnes and Noble's, uh, Barnes and Noble. Last week, I think it was, and standing there uh, next to a little boy looking at comic magazines, and he was there quiet, and I was he wasn't bothering me, I wasn't bothering him, and and then uh, from somewhere in a distance, I hear a a quiet but elated kind of scream, kind of like how you might hear a siren from far away, and it's kind of getting closer, and it's getting closer and closer. Uh, and, and I look up to see uh, the little boy's sister had ran up and was standing next to him. And without any kind of a delay or, or embarrassment, she yells out, I found something awesome. <laughs> then she turns and runs back toward whatever she had discovered. And while she was running away, the, the boy tried to hold up his magazine and say, but, but look what I found. <laughs> She was gone, and, and, and he, he seemed to have no choice left but to follow her to see what she had found. Her, her declaration 
uh, and excitement demanded that he follow her and see what she had found. And in fact, her enthusiasm was so intense that I, I slowly started making my way <laughs> over to where they were so I could see for myself what she found that was so awesome. And when I got close enough, not too close, but close enough to see, I found out that it was a cookie. Wait. A big cookie with a stencil on it with two markers inside of the wrapper. The markers were used to decorate the cookie with edible ink. I was like, she found something. You know, uh, her, her excitement about that cookie, uh, it had driven her to become a powerful uh, uh, witness about what she had found. She said it was awesome. <laughs> uh, knowing that it would take more than a day or a, a moment of excitement to drive and sustain his apostles in sharing what they had found in him. In the text today, we see that Jesus shares one more thing that they'll need to have in order to carry on as witnesses after he's gone. Just one more thing. That's the title of the sermon. One more thing. Uh, there's an there's a idea that, that flows through the text, and the idea is that God will send the power we need from heaven to carry out his will on earth. God will send the power we need from heaven to carry out his will on earth. God is good. The book of Acts, or the Acts of the Apostles, as you, as you heard me say earlier, uh, it picks up where the Gospel of Luke left off. Chapter 1 finds the apostles in, in sort of a holding pattern. They had received instruction from the resurrected Lord Jesus, but had not yet been released to carry those instructions out. If I was to use a, a track and field analogy, I, I'd say that uh, by the end of the Gospel of Luke, the runners are on their marks, and they've gotten set. Anybody ever run track? I didn't. They're poised to run, but before Jesus, the official, can say, go, he calls them up out of the blocks to give them one more direction, one more valuable truth they'll need in order to run and carry out their calling. Look, look at what the text says. It's in, in the first book, O Theophilus, I have dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day when he was taken up after he had given commands through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen. He presented himself alive to them after his suffering by many proofs, appearing to them during 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. Acts is addressed to the same person as the Gospel of Luke. It's, some, it's someone that he called... Most excellent Theophilus. Although the, the name Theophilus means lover or friend of God, uh, using a title like most excellent points to it being an actual person versus some kind of a euphemism that people thought for the whole church. 
That being said, it, it, the, the contents are still meant for the whole church and for us today. Uh, Theophilus. Before Luke moves on to what happens next in this second volume, this second writing, this book of Acts, he wraps up and recaps what's already happened. The resurrected Jesus has been making himself obvious and evident in front of his disciples over a period of 40 days uh, through, through speaking, eating, being examined, appearing in multiple locations, multiple times, with multiple and various people present, he made his being alive unmistakable to them. Not something that could be argued. Uh, Eliminating room for any reasonable doubt. The biblical record of all of these things presents convincing, infallible proof that the resurrected Jesus is alive. Here, Luke refers back to all that Jesus had been doing, all that he started doing and teaching, both before and even after his resurrection for 40 days until the time of his ascension. He notes how the teaching of Jesus during those 40 days following the resurrection emphasized the kingdom of God, the kingdom of God. Uh, he, He pulled his chosen team of disciples close as he instructed them in the power of the Holy Spirit, helping them to understand uh, uh, they needed some extra help in understanding what Jesus was talking about. <clears throat> Jesus is about to, about to leave, and the disciples are not quite ready to handle the work that he has for them. So he reminds them of one more thing they will need and, and how to position themselves to receive it. It says in verse 4, and while staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you heard from me. For John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Here they they seem to have left Galilee uh, where they were uh, meeting with Jesus by the lake and fishing and having breakfast and a good time. And now here they're back in Jerusalem, uh, right near Jerusalem. As they gathered to eat together again and kept discussing the kingdom of God, the kingdom of God, it was the topic. Jesus tells his apostles, the ones uh, who he was going to be sending into the world, his, his sent ones, his apostles, uh, what, what people throughout time seldom like to hear was the message that Jesus was given to them. Wait. Wait. Uh, uh, we people like action. <laughs> we, we, when, we, when, we, uh, when we think we know where we're going and, and what we want to do and, and we think we know how to get there, we just want to do it. Uh, we, we don't like waiting. All right, I don't like waiting. You, you all love to wait, but I don't like waiting. Uh, um, I, I, I don't like waiting so much, I get frustrated when other people have to wait. 
I get frustrated for them. If I'm, in the, if I'm driving and I'm in that left turning lane and that left turning light turns, I immediately go so the people behind me won't have to wait. If I look in my rearview mirror and see the car behind me has paused for over three seconds, I am livid because they just made all the people behind them late and have to wait. No, but that's my pray for me. Pray for me. But let's just say most people don't like to wait. But when God says wait for something, I think 11 times out of 10, it's worth waiting for. My math majors, I woke you up. It's worth waiting for. Any, anybody ever find out the hard way that when God says wait, that what he has is better than what you were trying to rush into? Anybody ever had to discover for themselves that they should have just waited? Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I, I, you should have waited, but you just went on anyhow. Ah, so it's not a good lesson. Jesus tells them, wait, stay in Jerusalem until you receive the promise. I like how that sounds. The promise that I've told you about. I had to look and say, well, what's the promise? I love promises. And in John, the first chapter in the 33rd verse, uh, you can overhear John the Baptist testifying that God the Father instructed him that the water baptism he was called to perform would be superseded by the Holy Spirit baptism that Jesus was going to bring about. It was something that the Father had communicated that was going to take place, and uh, it's a promise that's worth waiting for. Uh, um, The baptism, in the same way that uh, baptism, people were immersed in water and identified with the person whose name they were baptized in, Jesus would cause people to be immersed in and identified with the Holy Spirit, who is God. Uh, The baptism. This this act of baptism is is described in chapter 11 of Acts as the Holy Spirit falling on those who believed in the gospel message. In 1 Corinthians chapter 12, it's described as a, a common uniting uniting experience that connected believers together as one body, uh, causing them to become the body of Christ, this baptism of the Spirit. I'm not sure uh, when Jesus first told the disciples about the baptism, but now it was closer than they thought. Uh, They only needed to wait. So when they had come together, verse 6, they asked him, Lord, Will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, It is not for you to know times or seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. Wanting to know the the next move while they were forced to wait, the apostles began asking questions, uh, questioning Jesus uh, repeatedly about the kingdom. Uh, uh, Being told to wait in Jerusalem 
along with the mention of the baptism of the Holy Spirit, the pouring out of the Spirit, to them seemed like it seemed to point to a, a coming restoration of the kingdom. Uh, Old Testament prophets had spoken of it uh, from uh, Isaiah to Ezekiel to Zechariah. They all mentioned the pouring out of the spirit connected with God's restoration of Israel. Uh, So it made sense for them to ask. Many Jews at this time were looking forward to the restoring of their kingdom. Uh, They they lived in the land of Israel, but, but they were being ruled over by the Romans. Knowing that God had had promised them a savior, they expected that the Messiah uh, would come and set them free from Rome, whether by politics or by war. In the past, God had always sent deliverers to set Israel free, uh, from Moses to the judges to David. Uh, Now that Jesus had come and shown himself to be the Son of God, the the Messiah, uh, his disciples were expecting him to bring back the kingdom. After the occurrence uh, and and all of the convincing evidence of the resurrection, surely it had to be Jesus. He would be the one to do it, surely. But, But instead of laying out his game plan for the kingdom when the disciples asked about it, Jesus corrects and redirects the apostles. He, he, he shifts lanes on them. Jesus, but he doesn't correct them for desiring the kingdom to be brought back to Israel. The issue that he addresses is that they are overstepping, trying to pin down the movement of God to a specific time and season. Uh, uh, they are uh, uh, they're in God's business, Jesus says. That's the nice way to say it. Uh, uh, it, it amounted to, to, uh, f- to them almost demanding that God reveal to them when and how he's going to do it. Jesus says, uh, that's not for you. It's not for you. Uh, uh, God's, that's God's prerogative. Even as resurrected Lord, Jesus makes it clear that he remains in step with the Father's will. It's the Father's personal prerogative to know or to reveal his plans to anyone. Jesus redirects them to what their part would be. Uh, uh, He says, worry about yourself. Uh, uh, Their part, their part, the the twofold plan that's their part is to receive power and to be witnesses. A two, twofold plan, simple plan, receive power and be witnesses. Instead of, a, instead of a, 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 the national power, a, an authority over a place or space that they were looking for, they will receive God's power and an ability to carry out God's purpose. When the Holy Spirit comes upon them, that baptism, they would receive power to be witnesses of Jesus. Instead of just restoring the kingdom to Israel, their assignment would be to begin spreading and preparing the entire known world for the kingdom of God by their witness of Jesus. The book of Acts 
It outlines and documents the movement uh, of the apostolic witness uh, spreading, uh, beginning in Jerusalem and, and radiating out through Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. Uh, it, it, it's like Jesus coming and, and saying, you're going to be my witnesses. Uh, you don't have a cell phone. You don't have a car. You don't have uh, uh, Twitter. and You don't have Instagram or Snap or what else. Uh, you don't have any of that. He says, you're going to be my witnesses in all of Wilmington <clears throat> and then all of Newcastle County, all of Delaware, and then the entire East Coast. Yeah, it's on their plate. The power they were to wait for, the Holy Spirit would enable them, making them witnesses, not making them able to become witnesses or able to witness, but he said they would be witnesses. It'll be their new identity. Uh, Jesus had told them before in Luke chapter 10, uh, just so you know, this is not a soft uh, uh, pitch that Jesus is throwing here. In Luke chapter 10, they were being sent out like lambs before wolves uh, into a world that doesn't want to be changed, a world that doesn't want to believe in Jesus. But now, he says, if they wait, they'll have power. Uh, He affirms that they will be his witnesses, not only telling what they had seen him uh, uh, doing and and heard him saying, but living lives that demonstrated his power, his authority. It's been rightly said that some folks may never pick up and read the Bible, but they will read your life. I knew it would get quiet there, so... I winked at my wife to say amen in that point. <laughs> the word. Amen, the word witness. <laughs> the word witness. And we have to get that out now because the, the scripture is about to take a turn. Because this word witness, it came to be associated with those who gave their lives for the faith. Not everyone could be called a a witness. Uh, It's where we get our English word martyr. Uh, Church history holds that 10 of the 11 remaining disciples were martyred for their faith. They were martyred. Uh, And for someone that, 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 if there's anyone in that didn't catch the word martyr, that means they, they were killed. Uh, for their faith. Uh, and and the, the 11th one, John, he had been sent into exile. This, this, this would be their part in the kingdom. It, it would take on dimensions that they didn't fully understand yet. The kingdom of God that Jesus spoke of and would use his apostles to expand is is about God's perfect ruling authority in all of creation, beginning in the hearts of people. His, his, His will being done on earth as it is in heaven. When God's 
kingdom comes, things will begin to be turned upside down or, or maybe rather right side up. Uh, when, it, when his kingdom comes, the weak will become strong. When his kingdom comes, those uh, that have been kept out will be brought in. The captives will be set free when his kingdom comes. That great reversal of things that Luke wrote about in his gospel will begin to take place in the kingdom. And now the door of the kingdom had already been cracked open by Jesus uh, in, in his work and in his person, in his presence, <clears throat> in his resurrection. And it's going to be fully experienced and will only be fully experienced when he returns. But until then, uh, he is going to see to it that what he started, what he planted in his earthly ministry will begin to grow. And it's going to grow through spirit empowered witnesses. Verse 9 says, and when he had said these things, as they were looking on, he was lifted up and a cloud took him out of their sight. And while they were gazing into heaven, as he went, behold, two men stood by them in white robes and said, men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? This Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. Jesus had done a lot of things in front of his disciples, healing, praying, raising the dead. Uh, he, he had even revealed a glimpse of his own glory to three of them on, on a mountainside one day. But before he goes here, he gives his disciples one more thing to witness one more thing to tell, one more thing to blow their minds about Jesus, his ascension. It says, while they were looking at him, he had finished speaking and talking with them, and their eyes were fixed on him. That means they were staring, and no one uh, looked away and then turned back asking what happened, where did he go? They were fixed on him. And as they were looking, he was lifted up. He, he, he ascended. He was lifted up. He ascended until he was finally covered by a cloud and out of sight. Now, not only did Jesus rise from the grave, he rose from the earth. More than just altitude, Jesus had entered back into the glory that he had with the Father before the world began. His physical body entered back into eternity. The apostles were left standing there and straining to see what the physical eye can't see. So God sends angels appearing as these two men that they were dressed in white to, to help narr uh, to narrate and, and explain to them what they had just witnessed. The, the, the angels called them men of Galilee. They didn't call them apostles and bishops and, and all these other titles. Just men of Galilee. That's where you're from. Men of Galilee. They remind, they remind them by calling them that, and they remind us that they were only ordinary people, just some ordinary fishermen and folks from Galilee. 
that Jesus had an encounter with. Uh, they, the, the angels informed them that even though Jesus is now out of sight, he remains the same Jesus that they knew and was the same Jesus who would be returning. Uh, but, but next time they saw him, he wouldn't be uh, coming uh, humble and into a lowly manger, that he would be coming back on the clouds uh, in, in, with glory. Uh, the angels explained to them, uh, they, they told them that Jesus is coming back. Luke 24 lets us know that uh, they worshiped Jesus at that point, and, and then they returned to Jerusalem. Uh, there they would, they would wait for 10 more days to receive power and to be witnesses. The disciples had, had much work that they had to do, but, but now they would carry it out, not only in the power of the Spirit, but also with expectation of Jesus returning. Some of us may be sitting and waiting. We've, we've been on our marks. We've been set. But we haven't gone. Here's one more thing for us. The one more thing that we need to remember is that the story, the plan, the purpose of God in Christ Jesus continues today. These are just the things he began to do. It continues today and is being carried on by us and empowered uh, by the Holy Spirit. <clears throat> the same energy and power that made the disciples witnesses is available to us today. We no longer have to wait for it. Uh, the, 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 the Lord says, go. You're released. I wrote a, a prayer, and it was going to be a selfish prayer for myself, but I was just sharing it. Uh, I said, let me share it with the congregation. Lord, help us recognize the purpose and the presence of your power to be your witnesses, beginning right here in Wilmington. Right here. The Lord says, go. Amen. Amen. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you that you release power from heaven to accomplish your will here on earth. Help us not, Lord, to uh, forget or, or miss or dismiss that power or the purpose, Lord. Your Holy Spirit in us. Jesus came as Emmanuel, God with us. And now your Holy Spirit comes as God in us. For your purpose, Lord, and for your glory. Send us out like the little girl in that store saying, I found something awesome. Thank you, Lord. Have your way in us. Have your way uh, in the remainder of this service. Be glorified in our lives, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.